Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Are you ready for answered prayer? I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. What we read is, in a way, the beginning of the Christmas story. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. And behold, you will be silent. The King James Version says, dumb and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend, cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say all that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Enable me to be very, very clear, very, very simple. Cleanse my tongue that I will be all that you want. And may this word bring great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Joaquin, for inviting me back. I love coming here. And uh, the trouble with an invitation to this church, it's hard to pray about it because I know what I want the Lord to say. And when you want to go someplace and you're trying to get the will of the Lord, it's not so easy. But it's a joy to be here. I love you people. And I was so glad to be here Friday night. By the way, I have to tell you something. I know that we have a forgiving God. Do you know how I know? He has forgiven me for stealing this jacket. 
I'm ashamed to say this. It's kind of funny. I thought it was green. In the dark, at the banquet, I've been wanting a green jacket for years. And I said, oh, that, where did you get that? Tell me where you got it. I have to have it. He says, you can have it. I, no, no, I'll go buy it. Well, he talked me into it. Then in the light, it turns out to be blue. <laughs> but I like it blue too. And so I feel guilty in wearing it. But I shall wear it with pride. Lovely to see you, Joaquin, and your dad. He's my buddy. He's my senior. He's one year older than I. So he keeps me in my place. You know, one of the mysteries of life, I look at Joaquin, and then I look at Yvette. And then I look at Joaquin. How on earth did you get her, you ugly thing? I'm delighted to have a part. I didn't know that I was fulfilling a word yesterday. It was a spontaneous word. I have to tell you, if we could get a video replay of yesterday, I was so moved by this man. I said something to him that I've never said in my life to anybody. It was spontaneous. I said, I would lay hands on you, just like that, not knowing that God was using me in that moment because of his commitment to Scripture. I won't go into it more, but that was it. And may God be with you. And the verse I gave you, you will need time to absorb that. But it's my life verse for 60 years, and I pass it on to you. Today I want to deal with the story of Gabriel coming to Zechariah, and suddenly saying to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Question, if an angel came to you and said to you, your prayer has been heard, what would you think? Would you know exactly what it is? Now, in my case, I would know because there's something right on the cutting edge of where I am, if, if God said, your prayer has been heard, I would say, oh, good, this is wonderful, because I would know what it meant. But on other occasions, he might come, and I would say, well, which prayer? I've got many things I've asked for. And in the case of Zechariah, that's what it was. He said, what prayer? Oh, says Gabriel, you and your wife Elizabeth prayed for a son. Oh, that prayer, that was 20, 25 years ago. There's got to be some mistake. I'm an old man. And, and have you had a look at my wife lately? She can't bear children. Well, Gabriel says, all I know is I've been told to tell you your prayer's been heard. And then comes some sad news. Gabriel says, you know, Zechariah, I'm sorry, but before I go back to heaven, 
I've got an unpleasant duty to perform. You're going to be struck dumb and not able to speak because you don't believe a word I've just said to you. So when I ask the question, are you ready for answered prayer? We all want to say yes, but we may not be as ready as we think. I want to say two things today. There are two principles about prayer that I want to leave with you and I hope you never forget. Principle number one, any prayer that is prayed in the will of God will be answered. And that's because God says through John in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, when John says he hears us, it's Hebraic type thinking. You know, Gabriel said to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. What does it mean, heard? And here in 1 John 5, 14, if he hear us, what's the point? Well, Hebraic type thinking is this. There is a Hebrew word, shamar, that means to hear. But it also means to obey. And translator has to decide by the context whether you should translate it to hear or to obey. But the idea is this. If God hears us, it means he will obey our request. And in order for him to do that, we've got to pray in his will. Now, you may not like that, but if you want to be heard from God, you want to pray in his will. And if he hears you, it will be answered. Any prayer that is prayed in the will of God will be answered. Amen. Now, here's the thing. It's a big if. John says, if he hears us. But then the next verse in 1 John 5, 15 says, if we know that he hears us. Now, you've got two ifs. The first if, if we pray in his will. The second if, if we know that we pray in his will. That's two different things. It's one thing to pray in his will. It's another to know that you just did. And here's the problem. You don't always know that you prayed in his will. Now, you may say, well, if you were more spiritual, you would know when you're praying in God's will. Well, you might think that, but... Would you question the spirituality of the Apostle Paul? I seem to recall that in Romans 8, verse 26, he talks about not knowing what to pray for. In fact, here's what he says. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for, as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here's the thing. It's one thing to pray in the will of God. It's another thing to know you just did pray in the will of God. That's the second thing. And the problem is you usually don't know. You say, well, I know what I do. Well, good for you. But the Apostle Paul didn't know. 
And Zechariah didn't know. Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed for a son. Probably in the first year or two of their marriage, they began to pray for a son. They did not have a clue that their prayer was heard in heaven. They just prayed. In heaven, the angel said, yes. But they didn't know that. Now, there are times, I have known times like this. I wish I could say it happens every day. But I, I know what it is. At times, as soon as I pray, I, I know I've got it. But that isn't every day. And so it is with Elizabeth and Zechariah. They prayed in the will of God but didn't know it. But here's the principle. Any prayer prayed in the will of God, whether you know it or not, will be answered. If we know that he hears us, good. You already know it's going to come. But if you don't know, what do you do then? Well, here's the thing. We're told that Zechariah was an upright man earlier in the chapter. He was chosen by Lot to burn incense in the temple. This was a high privilege, once in a lifetime. There were probably 10,000 priests at the time. The statistical probability of being chosen by Lot to burn incense was so rare, it didn't happen many times. And that was Zechariah. Well, he didn't know that when he burns incense in the temple, it was going to be a special occasion indeed when the angel Gabriel shows up and says, your prayer has been heard. But it takes Zechariah by surprise and he says, what prayer? Well, you prayed for a son. Oh, that, that, that cannot be answered because that was a long time ago and I couldn't have. Can you think of anything more dumb than to argue with Gabriel? <laughs> I would have thought if Gabriel showed up and said something to me, I'd believe him. But here's the thing. Zechariah didn't believe it. Now, principle number one. Any prayer prayed in the will of God will be answered. It may not come in a week. It may not come in a year. In this case, we're estimating 20, 25, maybe 30 years later, it's answered. I ask the question, are you ready for answered prayer? It's easy to say yes, but you need to go back and think, well, wait a minute. What was it that I prayed for a long time ago and I gave up assuming that if God was going to answer it, he would have answered it by now? And I want you to think about that for a moment. Is there something you asked for a year ago and then you gave up? Ten years ago and then you gave up? 20 years ago, and you said, well, that's not going to be answered. The reason I have this message for you today, I think somebody here needs a wake-up call to go back, ask what was it you used to pray for, and you stopped, and maybe I've come in the nick of time to get you back to praying that 
so that you won't have the unfortunate experience of Zechariah. Because I come now to principle number two. Number one, any prayer prayed to the will of God will be answered. Number two, the shape answered prayer takes is determined by our readiness at the time. And so, says Gabriel, I'm so sorry, Zechariah. I can't go back to heaven yet. Got an unpleasant duty to perform. You're going to be struck dumb, not able to speak because you don't believe anything I've said. Here's what is interesting. With some people's theology, you would have said, well, the moment that he didn't believe it, that would have aborted the whole thing. The truth is, any prayer prayed to the will of God will be answered. Even his unbelief didn't stop it. You'll be struck dumb because you don't believe what I said, but it will be answered. In fact, it's so clear. Here's what Gabriel says. It will be fulfilled. I want you to think for a moment of something you once asked God to do and you've given up. And you may think, well, if God answered that prayer, that would be the most wonderful thing in the world. Let's put it this way. Can you imagine saying to Zechariah, Zechariah, can you envisage a possibility that you and Elizabeth would have a son and you not be thrilled? Oh, I'd be thrilled to bits. Are you sure? Oh, I want that more than anything in the world. It just happens that when he showed unbelief, he was struck dumb, and what should have been his finest hour was now met with the most embarrassing stigma. He was not allowed to enjoy it. So, in a few months, surprise, surprise, Elizabeth is pregnant. And now you can imagine friends coming from all over Judea. They're coming up and they go to see, Zechariah, we're so happy for you. Zechariah, Elizabeth's going to have a baby. Congratulations. And he says, hmm. He's humiliated. He's not able to enjoy it. The shape answered prayer takes is determined by our readiness at the time. The question is, why is it God withholds from us the knowledge that we were heard. You see, sometimes he does tell you that you've been heard. And as I said, I've had that happen, but not every day. So if it doesn't happen, you've got to ask, do I want this or not? Was I right to pray for this or not? Uh, my grandma used to say, say what you mean and mean what you say. And that's particularly true when it comes to talking to God. Do you realize that God is in heaven? We are on earth, and he listens to us. And if we pray in his will, it's going to be answered. 
Maybe you've been praying for a loved one to be saved. Maybe you've been praying to get this job. Or you've wanted this to take place in your life. And you think, if that happened, I'd be the happiest person on earth. Zechariah thought that. This is why I asked the question, are you ready for answered prayer? It is so easy to say, well, of course. And yet, Zechariah wasn't ready. And he was a good man. You see, that's the interesting thing. We're told that he, he was of the division of Abijah. Uh, he and Elizabeth were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They were good people. So you could be a, a good person and then stop praying and you wait so long that you actually don't recognize what God is doing. Even though they were blameless, had they kept up asking that? Here's the answer to the question. Why doesn't God always tell you? And why does he make you wait? I'll tell you why he makes you wait. He likes your company. If you got what you wanted, you'd say, thank you, Lord. Goodbye. A friend of mine, his name is J. John. He's an evangelist in England. Uh, he is very well known over there. You probably haven't heard of him here, although he's been on Joyce Meyer's program. And uh, J. John would come to see me every two or three months. And he came one day to Westminster Chapel into the vestry. He said, R.T., I've just come back from India. I can't begin to tell you what happened. Nobody in England's going to believe what I saw. I said, well, talk to me. He said, well, I went there just to preach. And the organizers of the meeting said, now, look, um, when you preach and the miracles start happening, we know what to do. J. John said, what do you mean you, we know what to do? Well, people will, you'll see miracles. Well, J. John says, I, I, I don't do that. I'm just a, an evangelist. We know that. We're just telling you when the miracles start, we know what to do. Well, J. John went up and just started preaching. And he said, before my eyes... I saw blind people healed. I saw arms outstretched. I said, I saw it. Nobody in England is going to believe me. And uh, it was amazing. And then he said, while I was there, I kept hearing about a lady named Sister Teresa. Not Mother Teresa. Sister Teresa. Who had unusual words of knowledge. And so J. John said, well, I'd sure like to meet her. Well, maybe you will. Well, a day or two later, they brought this little lady up to J. John and said, this is Sister Teresa. Oh, I'm so glad to meet you. I've heard wonderful things, and if God were to show you something, please tell me. He said, she turned around and walked away. And I thought I offended her. But 45 minutes later, she came back, 
with a list of 13 things. Number one, and said she began to say things to me that only God knew. Number two, described things. Only God could have known those things. Then came to number 13. And she said, God likes your company. He wants two hours of your day every morning. Goodbye. And he never saw her again. J. John said, R.T., I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he did. He was well known up to that time. But after that time, a new level of anointing came upon him. As a result, he's preached in every cathedral in Britain. He's preached to members of the royal family. He saw revival break out in Bristol, made the front page of the Times. And it goes back. God likes your company. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you ready for answered prayer? Are you sure? How much do you pray? Suppose there were flashed on this screen your name and how much time you spent alone with God. Oh, don't tell me, oh, I pray all the time. No, I'm not into that. I believe you, but that's not the point. Quiet time. Alone with God. How much do you pray? Suppose there were flashed on this screen your name and how much time you give to God every day. When I went to Westminster Chapel, I urged every member to pray 30 minutes a day. You would have thought the chandeliers would fall. One deacon says, 30 minutes a day? I don't know what to say after five minutes. Told me more about him than I wanted to know. My first memory of my dad was when I was four, five, six years old, seeing him on his knees every day for a half hour before he went to work. He wasn't a preacher. He was a layman. He worked for the Chesapeake and Ohio Railway. He was a rate clerk. Before he died, I remember saying, Dad, how come you prayed so much? You pray more than most preachers. Well, he said, our pastor Gene Phillips wouldn't ever remember to pray 30 minutes a day, and I did. I thought, well, that's where I got it, because I tried to get Westminster Chapel to pray 30 minutes a day. Listen to these words from Martin Luther's journal. Martin Luther, in his journal, wrote, I have a very busy day today. Must not spend two hours, but three in prayer. That's Martin Luther. John Wesley would not think of going out into his day without two hours on his knees. Two hours, Wesley. Two hours, Luther. The average church leader in America... By a poll given anonymously by thousands of ministers who answered questions, the average church leader, that's pastor, vicar, bishop, evangelist, spends, you ready for this? Four minutes a day in prayer. The average church leader, four minutes a day. 
and you wonder why the church is powerless. You wonder why there's no fear of God in the church. You wonder why the world thumbs their nose at us and we just take it. There's no outrage, no sense of shame. So, why doesn't God just answer your prayer the next day? He likes your company. He wants you to have reason to keep coming back. In the year we retired, I was invited to address 100 London ministers. They gave me 10 minutes to speak on the subject of prayer. I used the 10 minutes to persuade every minister in London to give at least one hour a day. And they thanked me profusely. They needed the wake-up call. Not all of you can do that. Just remember, there will be no praying in heaven. You'll be worshiping. You'll be praising God. But you won't be praying. You'll get everything. You've already got it. You won't be praying for the lost. It's too late. There'll be no soul winning in heaven. Everybody's saved. There'll be no tithing in heaven. For some, there's been no tithing on earth. <laughs> you see, when you stand before God, and you will, you may regret how you spent your time, how you spent your money. You won't regret what you gave to God because it lays up treasures in heaven. And you won't regret the time you spent alone with him. There are two things God wants us to know. Hosea cried out, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Two things. His word and his ways. His word, what is written. Psalm 138, verse 2. You've magnified your word above all your name. How well do you know your Bible? How much do you read your Bible? There are preachers who have not read the Bible through. They've told me. There are preachers who only turn to the Bible when they need a sermon. You need a Bible reading plan. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones introduced me to his Bible reading plan designed by Robert Murray McShane. And because of it, I can say to you that I've read the Bible through over 40 times, the New Testament 80 times, the Psalms 80 times, and really a lot more than that. People are always coming up to me, can I have your anointing? I said, sure, I'll be glad to give it to you. If there's some way that all I know could be passed on like a computer input, I would if I could. But you see, if you want to get on good terms with the Holy Spirit, get to know his greatest product. You see, he wrote this. He's not ashamed of what he's written. By the way, you want to know what that is? It just fell out. 
this is my Bible reading plan. Yeah, I, I, that, I didn't plan this. This fell. This morning before I came to church, I read 2 Chronicles chapter 9, the little epistle of Jude, Zephaniah chapter 1, and Luke 23. I, here it is. You, you, well, I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, you, 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 can, you can Google it and get it. But how, you know, how well do you know your Bible? Well, people say, well, you know, I, I just don't get much out of it. Not to worry. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of what you've learned. And you say, I, I don't think I'll remember. Oh, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance. People say, well, what I need is to be slain in the Spirit and fall to the floor. If you're empty-headed when you fall, you'll be empty-headed when you get up. <laughs> get to know his word. Second, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of my ways. God wants you to know his ways. You can hear the tear in God's voice. My own people, Hebrews 3, verse 10, they don't know my ways. You may not like his ways, but he's the only God you have. He's not going to adjust to you. You must adjust to him. How do you get to know anybody's ways? You spend time with them. That's the only way. My wife knows my ways. My son, T.R., knows my ways. Joaquin and Yvette know my ways a little more than the rest of you. A little bit of time. God likes your company. And so, he doesn't answer your prayer straight away so that you come back. Talk to him. Ask him. Spend time with him. Any prayer prayed in the will of God will be answered. The shape answered prayer takes is determined by our readiness at the time. And Zechariah wasn't ready. And the humiliation, he couldn't even speak. Many years ago, there was this couple in Ashland, Kentucky, my old town. They felt led to start a church in South Ashland. People criticize them. You don't need another church. We've got one in Ashland, got the same denomination. You don't need another. Oh, they felt led to have a church in South Ashland. And uh, the, two couples, uh, one couple got another to join them, and, and they rented a garage and when they got numbers up to 11, people laughed at them. Said, you hear about the group in Ashland? They had 11 people out. But, you know, they prayed that one day God would give them a building. A few years later, would you believe, one of the most beautiful sanctuaries in the south of Ashland was built. Seated 400 people. On the day of the dedication of that building... They brought in the chief preacher of that denomination, general superintendent. Place was packed, cars lined up and down the street. The day of the dedication, God answered their prayer. But the man whose decision it was to start the building had in the meantime fallen into sin and disgrace 
and wasn't even welcome at the service. He wasn't even welcome. They said they saw him drive by. He saw the crowds. He saw that his prayer was answered. He just kept on going. His prayer was answered, but the shape it took was determined by his readiness at the time. You see, this is a no-joke thing. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Go back. What have I asked for? But let me end on a positive note. I preached this sermon in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. And, uh, but then I'd forgotten later that I had, and I'm now at the garden tomb in Jerusalem. 1,700 people there, and, and after the service, a couple comes up to me, and they said, do you recognize us? And, you know, I love it when people do that. <laughs> I said, um, oh, your face is familiar. You're trying to be as diplomatic as you can. I don't know for sure. Well, you came to Edinburgh. And you preached a sermon on being ready for answered prayer. I said, yes, I remember that. I said, well, you know, we had been praying that we could come to the Holy Land, but we gave up years before because it looked like God wasn't going to answer our prayer. And when you preached that, we started right then to pray that we could come to the Holy Land. And here we are, fancy meeting you. <laughs> See, that was just one of God's ways, just to reward them. I preached this sermon in Isla Morada. When I finished the sermon, the husband said to the wife, I bet you're pregnant. She said, I bet I'm not. He said, I bet you are. She was. That little boy, they named him Zachariah. They call him Zach. Any prayer prayed in the will of God will be answered. The shape it takes is determined by a readiness at the time. Go back to what you once prayed for and say, God, I'm sorry. Thank you for your patience. Here I am. God likes your company. There'll be no praying in heaven. My last word is going to be to Jules. Be a man of prayer. That's where the anointing is. It won't be in your medical degree or your knowledge of psychology psychology or psychiatry would be from this word shall we pray heavenly father take this word and apply it by your holy spirit i pray in jesus name amen